Hey family, this is Josh Eggerson. I want to thank you for tuning in to the Faith Restored podcast. Faith Restored is a local church with a global mission to reach the lost and teach the found. And it's our hope that the word you're about to hear today encourages you, inspires you, and builds your faith. If you'd like to learn more about Faith Restored, you can visit us on our website at faithrestored.church. Now let's go live into this week's message. Micah chapter 4, verse number 6, it's on the screen uh, for your hearing. Hear the word of the Lord, it says, In that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame, and I will gather the outcasts, even those whom I have afflicted. And I will make the lame a remnant, and I will make the outcasts a strong nation, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. One more time, it says, in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame. Somebody say the lame. And I will gather the outcasts. Somebody say the outcasts. Even those who I have afflicted. And I will make the lame a remnant. And I will make the outcasts a strong nation. And the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. Amen. I want to preach for a little while using as a subject, when the wicked build walls. Amen. When the wicked uh, build walls. Father, thank you for this time. Help us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. When the wicked (coughs) build walls. Uh, Earlier this week, I was traumatized by a photograph that was circulated on the national news media of a father and his one-year-old daughter who drowned in the Rio Grande River while trying to seek asylum in the United States. The daughter was underneath the shirt of her father with her arm around his neck and they both lost their life in the river because they had went to seek asylum at the border and had been turned away due to the policies of President Donald Trump. When asked about the policy that led to that death, the president remarked that if we had given him the money that he needed to build his wall, that the father and the daughter would not have died. Unfortunately, what President Trump does not understand is that whenever you erect structures, whether they be mental or physical, to prevent people from getting out of a place that you yourself are in by the grace of God, you deny the heart of that God who does everything he can to make outsiders insiders. The God that we serve is not a God that builds barriers, but the God that we serve is a God that builds bridges. And sadly, whether we understand it or not, we live in a society that thrives and survives by castigating the outcast, by making people feel like they are less than others. We have a caste system in these, what Maya Angelou calls the yet-to-be United States that tells the rich that they're better than the poor, that the white that they're better than the black, and that the black are better than the brown, and that the natural born are better than the immigrant, and we have walls that have been erected in our lives. And the truth of the matter is simply this. I don't have to look too far to get a witness 
witness that you have been on the receiving end of some of these barriers. There have been structures in your life that have been created to try to keep you out of places. There have been things that have been constructed in your life that have tried to keep you from getting everything that God would try to uh, have you to receive in this life. There are structures in economics and in education and in the workplace that try to keep you from being all that you can be. And the truth of the matter is we live in a society where walls are being erected every day. And I would almost be able to deal with it better if those walls existed in the workplace, if those walls existed in the places of education, if those walls existed only in the economic sphere. But when I walk into the church on a Sunday morning, I find that in many churches, walls have been erected in the church. And these walls are being erected by wicked people who don't want other people to experience the grace of God. Now, the, what, what is funny about this whole uh, concept of a border wall is that America has the audacity to attempt to build a wall to keep brown people out of a land that white people stole from brown people in the first place. None of your ancestors were natural born. None of your ancestors came here uh, uh, or were born on this place. As a matter of fact, you killed so many of the Native Americans who were here when you got here that now you have to pay them to go to school and you got to pay them to live on reservations. This is a land that was stolen and before you look at me crazy like I'm being too political It's the same in the church. We try to keep people from experiencing the same grace that God has allowed us to experience in his house You look at the person who dresses funny now and you forget when you used to dress funny You look at the person who smells like weed today and you forget about when you were rolling your blunt You forget about the time when you were drunk and when you were sleeping around and when you were doing all kinds of crazy stuff and you want to build walls to keep people out of the house of God but God says when the wicked are building walls I'm building bridges to bring the misfits back into my house and whether you know it or not beloved this is what Micah is talking about Micah is one of the uh, minor prophets he it did not write as much as Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or Daniel but what Micah is doing is he is indicting a religious and corrupt nation. He's speaking prophetically to a nation that says that they serve God but their policies serve the devil. God help me, you missed it. He's speaking to a country that says it was built on one nation under God and liberty and justice for all but they are creating policies and they are doing things in their legislative and governmental system that does not reflect the God that they say they serve. They are living in a place now where Micah has to challenge them because they say they love God but everything about them God help me says that they don't love God and let me pause there parenthetically and just insert this we live in a country that says that it was founded on Christian moral ethics we live in a country that said that it was founded with one under one God with liberty one nation under God rather with liberty and justice for all but then we elect a president God help me that has had more divorces than Elizabeth Taylor had more mistresses than a court than a side pimp uh, has had more moral issues than anybody in the history of the nation but then when we had a black president with not a scandal not a moral issue more educated than any other president before him with a wife that was more educated than 38 of the 45 presidents that came before him we tried to treat him like he was garbage but 
but then we'll embrace this man in the White House and say that he's God's man. And God is going to call us as a church, as a people to answer for what we endorse. Let me help you. See, you think that just because you're not a Trump supporter uh, that God ain't got nothing to say to you, but let me help you. God is going to hold you accountable, not just for what you do, but for what you endorse, for what you go silent on when wickedness is happening all around you. God doesn't just want the preacher to speak up when wickedness is happening, but he's calling for his children to say, hey, that ain't right. I, I don't know. I ain't got Bible and verse for it. I, I don't have enough scripture memorized to tell you where it ain't right, but I know that that's not godly. I know that it's a shame that those children are down there on the border with not soap to wash themselves, without a blanket to sleep under, without a pillow to lay their head on. I wouldn't want my children sleeping down there. And God said it's time for his people to be like Micah. God, help me. And open up their mouth and let them know that God will not tolerate when the wicked build walls. Micah's name, you got to understand this now. Micah's name means who is like the Lord. Micah's name stands up in defiance to every wicked ruler, every unjust judge, every corrupt prosecutor, every corrupt legislative officer that tries to stand up in the face of an almighty God. And he asked the question, who among you is like the Lord? You're building walls and you're building barriers and you're keeping people out of God's stuff. But Micah wants you to understand that that is not the heart of God. Micah says that there is a day coming as a matter of fact. He says while you're building your walls, God is orchestrating a plan in the background to turn outlaws into in-laws, to turn outsiders into insiders, to turn misfits into the only ones who fit in. And that's when we come to verse number six. Micah says now in verse six, in that day, everybody says in that day. Yeah, he says in that day. What day? He says there is coming a day. Now you got to understand this. He said there is coming a day where God is going to set everything right. I got to pause there because too many of us get caught up in the current state of affairs and we forget that there is a God that overrules and super rules and superintends over the affairs of man. That no matter how bad things are right now, there is a that day coming. God help me. What is that day? It is the day when God will reign over the kingdoms of men. What is that day? It is when the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. What is that day? It is a day where justice will flow down like water and righteousness like a flowing stream. What is that day? When you, It'll be that day when you are not judged, thank you Dr. King, by the color of your skin but by the content of your character. In that day, the Bible says God is getting ready to do something awesome. And is there anybody here who can stop tripping for a moment about this day and get excited about that day? God help me. See, I got too many people that are caught up in your flesh. You're too carnal. You're too worried about what's happening on this side. And you can't get excited about the fact that in that day, God is going to turn this whole thing around. That where you are right now is not where you're going to end up. That what you see right now is not what you're always going to see. Is there anybody here who's praying for a change of scenery? Who declares in the midnight hour, even with tears in your eyes, that it can't end like this? That things won't be like this always. That God is getting ready to turn what's wrong right. He's getting ready to turn what's down upwards. He's getting ready to turn what's backwards all the way around. He says, in that day, declares the Lord. Look at what he says. I will assemble the lame. And I will gather 
the outcast. Huh. Uh, I will assemble the lame and I will gather the outcast. The lame, you got to understand now, he's not just talking about the physically lame, although those people are included. He's talking about those who are physically weaker. But literally lame means the powerless. People who see society going to hell in a handbasket and feel like they just along for the ride. People who wonder if their vote matters. People who see the fact that this governor that we just elected put a poll tax to keep low income people from voting in the state of Florida. And they wonder, does it even matter if I vote at all? Because I voted for the other guy and he didn't get in the lane. People with felony convictions on their record, the lame, people who get government assistance, the lame, the single mother or the working father that can barely make their ends meet, people who feel like they're powerless under the weight of a corrupt system. He says, I'm getting those people and I'm bringing them together. But then he also says that I will gather the outcasts. Yeah. People who have been kept on the outside because they didn't look like people who were on the inside. He is not talking about simply a religious segregation. He is talking about a Jewish ethnocentric segregation. He's talking about people who are not a part of the commonwealth of Israel. People who were told that you could not come in here to worship because you didn't have the right ethnicity. People who were told you can't be a part of the move of God because you don't come from the right family, because you don't have the right pedigree, because you don't deal in the right social circles. He says, these are the outcasts. These are the people who were told you're not good enough. You're never going to have enough education. Doesn't matter how hard you try. You're never going to be able to fit in with us. God says, I'm taking the powerless and I'm taking the outsider and I'm bringing them together. But check this out. He, he says, look, the lame and the outcast, I promise y'all I'm going to preach in a second. The lame and outcast are people that you have mistreated. Right? He said, the, the, the lame and the outcast are people that you mistreated because they were weaker and different than you. But I'm not just gathering those people together. You've so offended me by your treatment of the weak, God says, that I'm not just taking the lame and the outcast. I'm even getting the people who I used to be angry at. And I'm deciding not to be angry with them anymore. He says, look in the text. He says, even those whom I have afflicted. God help me. You missed it. Uh, God says. That when the wicked are building walls, he decides to pour out his mercy. God help me on people who don't deserve it. God help me. Now, some of y'all are too proud to admit that you're lame, even though we all can see it. You may not want to admit that you've been an outcast, even though we all know it by how you act. Your issues tell on you. But is there anybody here who knows that you've been afflicted by God because of some stuff that you've done, that God had to whoop your tail because of some of, wick, some of the wickedness that was in your heart, that sometimes you and God wasn't always on the best of terms because of your wickedness. But God 
God says, even the people whom I have afflicted, I'm bringing them back in. God, help me. Now, if you don't need mercy, this is not a word for you. If you don't need God to have mercy on your soul, this is not a word for you. But if you're like me and you look back over the course of your life and you got pain, God, help me. If you ever see a Facebook memory from some years ago and you got some regrets in your life, God, help me. If you ever look at the people that you used to date and the friends that you used to kick it with and the jobs that you clowned on when you was making good money and didn't know how to save and you look back at your life with regret God says in the midst of all of this I'm getting ready to show mercy upon you even if I have afflicted you and is there anybody here who's glad about the fact that even God's affliction oh God the psalmist said his anger is for but a moment but his favor is for life weeping may endure for a night is there anybody here who's glad that even when God is whooping your tail he won't whoop you forever sooner or later it'll be all over God help me is there anybody here who's glad about it that God when the wicked are building walls trying to make you feel like you're going to stay on God's bad side forever God says I will come and get you I will meet your mess with my mercy I will pick you up out of the low place and I will bring you into my house yeah he says in that day I will assemble the lame I will gather the outcasts even those who I have afflicted I'm I'm now getting ready to align my cause with the persecuted beautiful book by uh, 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 African-American scholar the father of black liberation theology Dr. James Cone uh, is a book called The God of the Oppressed. It is where Dr. Cohn uh, gives us uh, the thought process that God, based on the book of Exodus, always aligns his cause with those who are oppressed and powerless. That whenever there is a person in power, God puts that person in power to help the weak. But whenever that person refuses to help the weak, God then leaves the side of the powerful and then goes on to the side of the oppressed. And Micah is telling us now that that's what God is doing. God says, I was with you, Israel, for a little bit, but you started mistreating people who were weaker than you. As a matter of fact, when you go through the book of Micah and you read the rest of the uh, minor prophets, theologically we call them the 12. We look at them as one uh, collection of prophecies because they're all talking about the same thing. But when you read the rest of the minor prophets, you find out that they tell them the economic problems that you're suffering in the nation are not a result of poor fiscal management, but they are a result of the sin that is going on in your leadership system. That... When you decided to say that you were God's people, God help me, then that required you then to live according to God's standard. But there was so much wickedness going on, God help me. Uh, there was so much wickedness going on in your leadership that I've got to punish you so that folk will understand that when you claim my name, Lord help me, that you can't act any old kind of way. Come here, let me talk to you for a moment. Have you wondered why some of the things are happening in your life the way they're happening? The why, why, why your money is jacked up the way it's jacked up? Why are things are going on in your relationships the 
way they're going on. It's not because you can't manage your money. It's not because, beloved, you got a bad taste in the opposite sex. Uh, it's because God will not allow you to be happy with your life if you claim his name when he is not happy with your life. God says, if I am not pleased with you and how you're living, I'm not going to let you be pleased with how you're living. And God calls Israel out and says, look here, if you are my people, I'm not going to let you live any old kind of way. I know we don't like to hear it anymore and people walk out on this part of the message. They don't like hearing people talk about holiness and stuff like that. They ball up their tithe check and put it back in their pocket. But the reality is, is if you claim the name of God, whether you are a nation or an individual, God will not allow you to carry his name and carry on any old kind of way. You've got to live a life that is holy and acceptable to the standard of God. Okay, uh, let me finish. So he says, in that day, declares the Lord, I will assemble the lame and I will gather the outcasts, even those whom I have afflicted. Okay. He says, verse 7, and I will make the lame a remnant and I will make the outcasts a strong nation and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion from now on and forever. Let me preach this one verse and I promise I'm in my seat. He says, I'm calling the lame, the powerless people, the weaker people, the people who have been taken advantage of. And he says, I will make of the lame a remnant. God help me here. Uh, literally what he's saying. Now, the remnant, first of all, beloved, is the portion of the people that survive persecution. You missed it. He says, I'm taking the powerless people. The people who are not supposed to survive, the people who have no strength on their own, the people who wouldn't be able to survive without help. And I'm going to let everything around them be destroyed, but I'm going to let the lame be the ones who survive. Now, this flies in the face of our Americanized thinking, because in our Americanized thinking, we believe that only the strong survive. But that's not how God operates. God says the strong are not going to be the ones who remain. But the weak ones are going to be the one who remain. Now why does that shout you Pastor Josh? Thank you for asking. The reason why that shouts me is because I know that I shouldn't survive. I know with all the hell that the devil is throwing at me. I should not be able to survive the coming onslaught of adversity that is coming my way. But when I read this text and I see that God is going to allow the land to remain after the storm I get excited about that because it lets me know that God is with me because the only way that a lame person can survive is if somebody helps them God help me here 
Is there anybody here who knows that God is your helper in the time of trouble? That when you didn't have strength, when you didn't have power, when you couldn't walk on your own, do I have a witness in the building that God carried you through some stuff, that he picked you up through some stuff, that he walked you through some stuff, that he carried you through, that when you didn't have power, he gave you strength. When you wanted to quit, he helped you to hang in there. Hey. He says, I will make of the lame a remnant. That the strong are not going to be the ones who survive. But it's going to be the weak ones. The reason why the weak ones are going to be the ones who survive is because when the weak ones come out, the weak people know that they didn't do it by themselves. God help me. If you had any strength of your own, you try to take credit for it. If you had any good ideas that worked, you try to hold a conference and write a book about it. If you had anything, any strategies of your own that helped you get across the finish line, you'd want to be a coach for somebody. But God said, I love lame people because when lame people come out of their stuff, they have a testimony that says, could nobody do this for me but the Lord? He says, I'm going to make the lame a remnant. They're going to be the people who survive. But not only, beloved, is the remnant those who survive the storm. But the remnant are those who God has chosen to do his work. God help me. Uh, uh, The remnant are the people that God chooses to work his will in the earth. I know you don't believe me, but when God was getting ready to establish the priestly line amongst the children of Israel, he did not use all 12 tribes. But he called out of the 12 tribes, one tribe by the name of Levi, a remnant of the tribes of Israel. God help me. Who would do his will? I know you don't believe me, but. When God got ready to perform his work of salvation in the earth, he didn't call a whole bunch of people, but he sent one man, God help me, named Jesus, who is called theologically the remnant of the righteous, God help me, to do his will. And God says that I'm going to use some people to do my will, Maya, but it's not going to be the well-educated and the well-connected and the people who got all their stuff together. God, help me. I'm getting ready to call now some people, oh God, to help me accomplish my purpose in the earth, but it's not going to be the one that when you look at a sheet of all the most likely to be used by God, you see their names on there. God says I'm going to surprise some religious people and I'm getting ready to use the lame to accomplish my purpose in the earth. God, help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but is there anybody here who's glad about the fact that you're not like everybody else? You don't have what everyone else has. You don't come from the families that everyone else comes from. God says that if that's you, then you're a perfect candidate to be used for my glory. I'm getting ready to call you out from the background into the forefront, and I'm going to use you as a remnant 
content to do my will. God, help me. And is there anybody here who understands that you don't deserve to be used by God? That if there was some qualification system, if there was some aptitude test, if you had to take a spiritual SAT or ACT in order to get into the university of adversity so you could be used by an almighty God, you would never get in in the first place. But I thank God that God don't use test scores or a reference check when he gets ready to decide who he's going to use. God says, I'll put my hand on whoever wants to be used by me. And is there anybody here who can say that's your testimony? I don't have great abilities. I can't do a whole bunch of stuff. But the one ability I have is availability. God, I'm available to you. My will, I yield to you. I'll do what you say do. Use me, Lord. He says, I will make the lame into a remnant. And then he says, I will make the outcast a strong nation. Huh. Now, a strong nation, biblically, uh, a strong nation uh, is not a nation uh, that is considered strong because of its economy. It is not a nation that is considered strong uh, because of its gross domestic product. Uh, it is a nation that is considered strong because of the sheer numbers of the people in the nation. He, he says that I'm going to take the outcast and I'm going to make of the outcast a strong nation. Biblically, it means a numerous nation. Okay. Uh, I was doing some research some years ago, and I found out uh, that many of us in the room uh, fall under uh, the category of ethnic minorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, 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 we're ethnic minorities. But what I found out uh, when I did the research is, is that is a false categorization. Because as of 2008, uh, those of us who were considered ethnic minorities now outnumber those who were considered the majority. You, you missed it. That when we got here, we were considered minorities. But after some time passed, God allowed multiplication to happen. God help me. And now the ones who used to be the minority, God help me, are occupying the White House. God help me. The, the, the ones... Who, who used to be the minority are the ones shaping legislators. The ones who, who used to be the minority are on the stage with Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders winning debates. God help me. The, the, the ones who used to be the minorities are now on the upside because God will allow you, hear me now, to multiply in a system that was designed to kill you. God help me. How in the world do black people multiply during Jim Crow? How in the world do we multiply apply uh, during segregation and through abuse and in the south through the Ku Klux Klan how in the world when they're burning crosses and hanging preachers and beating Emmett Till do we turn into a strong nation it has to be because the Lord is on our side and God told me to tell you that I'm taking every outcast and I'm turning them into a strong nation that I got the ability
capacity to turn it to where you used to be at the end of the line. But God's economy says that the last shall be first, that the least will have the most, that the lowest will be elevated to the highest place. And is there anybody here who's glad that you serve a God who can make outcasts into a strong nation? Oh, Lord, he says, I'm, I'm turning the outcasts into a strong nation. But God says that the strength of the nation is not simply term, determined by its numerosity. God, help me. Uh, by the sheer number of people. Uh, he says, because if you were just a large nation, if you were just a numerous nation, there would be nothing to distinguish you from the other nations of the earth who don't serve me. He says, so your strength is not only going to come from numbers, but your strength is going to come from the fact that you've got a God on your side. Lord, help me. That the other nations don't have on their side. God, help me. And I don't know who I'm preaching to, but you need to know what your advantage is. You need to know that you've got a God on your side that will not fail a God that saw your mom and them through trouble that saw your grandmom and them through trouble that saw people before you through all kinds of hell and high water God help me I was looking I was on the phone a few weeks ago talking to my mom while she was visiting her mother my grandmother in Arkadelphia Arkansas and I was complaining to my mom as I often do about issues in my life and about things that are going on in my life and I told my mom that earlier that week I had taken my family out to eat and I told my mom how much money I spent on taking my family out to eat and my grandmother started coughing she was drinking water she started coughing started choking on the water and I said mama is grandmama okay she said mama you all right she said I just heard that boy say that he spent what I used to make in a week cleaning houses taking his family of four out to dinner a few nights ago and somebody need to understand that this there is a reason why you're here. There's a reason why my grandmother who made $43 a week cleaning white folk houses uh, was able to take care of all my aunties and uncles and my drunk grandfather that couldn't hold down a job. There's a reason why the people who came before you who were not as educated, oh God, as you are and didn't make as much money as you make were able to do a lot more. It's because they leaned and depended on a God who was on their side and God told me to tell somebody that if you trust in him, the same God that allowed Hattie Lou Scott to feed a family on $43 a week will allow you to make it on what you're making it on because God said, I will make you into a strong nation. I got to quit. Uh, he says, when the wicked are building walls, I'm turning the lame into a remnant. Uh, he says, when the wicked are building walls, Jotham, I'm turning the outcasts into a strong nation. He says, when the wicked are building walls, and I'm in my seat, the Bible says that the Lord will reign over them. Hallelujah. Now, that's not the shouting point. Because the psalmist tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So God is reigning over everybody. Even the people that don't acknowledge his reign. You do realize that you acknowledging God does not make him God. That God is God whether you acknowledge him or not. 
that he is the Lord of Lords, whether you believe in him or not. Your belief does not empower God to be God. God is sovereign. He reigns over everything. But what excites me about this is not the fact that he reigns, beloved, but it is the place where he reigns. He says, and the Lord will reign over them in Mount Zion. Okay, y'all don't know where Mount Zion is. Uh, Mount Zion is the place where the temple is located. Mount Zion is the house of the Lord. Okay, okay. Mount Zion is the church house. He, he says that I'm taking the lame and I'm taking the outcast and I'm going to reign over them in the church. God, help me. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, I want to help you now. Can I help you? Uh, because you're not excited yet. Uh, and I want to help you get the most out of this message. So I got to help you. Uh, uh, the reason why you should be excited about this is because there are a group of laws that prevented these specific people, God help me, from coming into the temple in the first place. The law of Moses said that if you needed a healing, you couldn't come into the temple. That if you were an outsider, God help me, you couldn't come into the temple. But God says, I'm taking lame folk, God help me. And I'm taking outsiders, Lord have mercy. And I'm putting the insiders on the outside. But I'm taking the outsiders and I'm bringing them on the inside. And I'm going to reign over them inside of the house of God. Can I tell you the people that God is calling now in this season? God is calling the people that have been looked past and looked over. The people who you thought could not be used. And he's taking positions from people who have just been sitting there doing nothing. He's removing spiritual authority from people who have abused it. He's removing power from folk who haven't done right by the power he's given. And he's saying, I'm taking those outcasts and I'm putting them in the seats of power. Oh God, I wish somebody would get excited about that. That God is getting ready to bring you into a place that you know you don't belong. Oh God, okay, that didn't shout you? This is the last shot I got. Uh, last one. Uh, he says, the lame and outcasts are coming into Mount Zion. Right? Uh, the reason why that should shout us is because there are rules in place that keep us out of Mount Zion. Wait. But Moses didn't come up with those rules by itself. The God that's breaking the rule is the God that made the rule in the first place. The God that said, if you're lame, stay out there. The God that said, if you're not a Jew, stay out there. Is now saying that I'm welcoming the lame and the outcast into my presence. God 
breaks God's own rules because mercy will make God change his mind. God, help me. That's the best shout I had. I thought that would shout somebody uh, that, that God says the wages of sin is death. But mercy made him say, but the gift of God is eternal life. The rules said that you got to die for the bad stuff you did. But mercy said, prepare for me a body. God, help me. That I might come down and die. The rules said that I should be punished for what I've done. But mercy made God change his mind. And is there anybody here who's able to testify that you serve a God that will change his mind? Lord, help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but some of you are the recipients of a divine mind change that you should have been dead but mercy made him change his mind you should have been broke but mercy made him change his mind you should have been left out but mercy made him change his mind and God says that I know I made some rules but mercy will make me change my mind let me give it to you like this and I'm in my seat God help me uh, my daughter my daughter uh, my daughter asked me uh, for something uh, not that long Go. Ain't none of your business what she asked me for. All you need to know is that I told her that she could have it. She said, uh, Daddy, can I have this? I said, yes, uh, you can have it. I, I, my, because my daughter uh, is, is pretty much self-sufficient at the house. Uh, I kept her home one day and uh, I told her I was going to get her something, David, at the end of the day. And I said, let Daddy take a nap, turn on the TV, watch whatever you want to watch. And when Daddy wakes up, we'll go to the store and uh, we'll get you what I said I was going to get you. Uh, something came over my daughter some foul spirit of deception and dishonor came over my daughter while I was taking a nap and I woke up and there was water and milk all over the floor in my kitchen there was little cereal pieces on the floor in the front room don't know what she was doing but all I know since it wasn't nobody but me and her in the house her brother was at daycare it was just me and her I knew that the only person that could have done it was her so I called her into my room I said to Mia uh, to Mia uh, what did you do she says I, I, I didn't yeah, she just starts crying because that's how she is. Uh, whenever I confront my daughter, she just breaks down crying. And that's really her admission, David, of guilt of what she's done. And so I tell to me, I say, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to clean it up. And I need you to sit your butt down on that couch. Don't move. I'm going to go in there and clean it up. And I clean it up. And after I clean it up, she looks at me in the face and she says, Daddy, I guess we're not going to get what I asked you for. I said, hush, sit down there. Don't say nothing else to me. Went into my room, got dressed, put my clothes on, brushed my hair, told my daughter, said, put your shoes on. Let's go. She said, daddy, where are we going? She didn't know what was happening. She knew she had just messed up and she was waiting on me to punish her for what she'd done. She didn't know if I was getting ready to drive her around the corner and whoop her butt. She didn't know what was getting ready to happen. We get in the store. God help me. Or we get in the car and we pull up to the store and I tell her, tell that man what size shoe you wear and ask him to get the shoes that you asked me for now my daughter she asked a lot of questions most of us would have just said okay took the blessing instead of a whooping but my daughter blesses me because she asked the right questions and if she didn't ask the right questions she wouldn't have set up this sermon illustration for me so I'm grateful that my daughter asked too many questions she says but daddy didn't I just get in trouble daddy didn't you just 
tell me to sit down. Daddy, didn't you just fuss at me? I said, yes, baby. But go on and get the shoes anyhow. Because that's called mercy. Come here. Is there anybody here who's living on a whooping that you know you should have got years ago for stuff that you know you should have done? But mercy made the law change his mind. God said, I'm bringing in the outcast. Oh, God, because I'm a God of mercy. I'm using the lame because I'm a God of mercy. Not a God of misogyny, Donald Trump, but a God of mercy. Not a God that bashes women, but a God of mercy. Not a God that shuts down borders from people who are seeking asylum, but I am a God of mercy. Oh, God, you want to know what God's policy on the border is? I don't want to make you mad, but when God saw somebody that needed asylum from the ravages of sin, his border policy was come unto me. God, help me. All ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. God's policy in the on the border is my yoke is easy and my burdens is light. God's policy is no millions have come. There is room for one. There is room at the cross for you. And do I have a witness in the building today? I'm ready now, Mike. That's ready to testify that when the wicked are building walls, that God is getting ready to open up the windows of heaven and pour out mercy on his people. He says the Lord is going to reign over Mount Zion. But he's not just going to reign in Mount Zion. He's not just going to reign for one term. He's not just going to reign for two terms. But the Bible says that the Lord is going to reign forever. Is there anybody here in the building today that's waiting on God to set up his reign all over the earth? I want somebody to know that when the wicked are building walls, God is welcoming children into his kingdom. So don't build your wall in the house of God because Joshua said that every wall that's not constructed in Jesus name is going to have to come down. Walls of racism are coming down. Walls of division are coming down. Walls of sexism are coming down. Walls of economic disparity are coming down. When the wicked are building walls, God is building bridges. Grab somebody. Take them by the hand. Y'all ain't happy today. I said grab somebody and take them by the hand and say, neighbor, your enemies may be building walls, but God will knock every wall down. Just as Joshua. My mama used to make me sing a song. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. And I want you to know that God is not a God of walls, but he's a God that's extending a helping hand to his people. No matter how long you've been on the outside, God will bring you on the inside.
said, do I have a witness here? You might be waiting on a wall to come down on your jaw, but God is a barrier breaking wall. You might be waiting for a wall to come down in your community, but the God that I serve is a barrier breaking God. Is there anybody here in the building today who believes that God will fight every one of your battles? He'll make your enemies to leave you alone. Ain't God all right? Do me one favor. If you believe that he'll knock every wall down, I dare you to give him a praise right now for every wall that he's broken down. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking down my walls. Thank you, Jesus, for opening up doors that no man can shut. Thank you for making ways out of no way. Ain't God all right? Is there anybody here who believes it today? I dare you to open up your mouth and say yes. Say yes. Say yes. 